sorry, go on. Yeah, sorry, you you were you were talking about uh, about Cadbury's. Welcome to List Envy, where each week I work with a guest to build a top five list on a topic of their choosing. I'm Mark Stedman, and this week's guest is musician, DJ, and producer Kevin Kerr, otherwise known as Rusty Nails. He's also one third of the band Titans of Doom, and this week we are talking Brummies, that is, people from the. Um, I nearly said fictional town. It's not a fictional town. It's a very real city. The very real city of Birmingham in the United Kingdom. Uh, as I mentioned last week, uh, one of my um, earliest lists was uh, bands from Birmingham. That was with Tom Clabon. So there's going to be a little bit of crossover here, uh, especially with uh, Kevin slash Rusty uh, being a musician. Uh, but we go pretty far back into the history of this um, stupid little um, non-fictional city. So let's get to it. This is my chat with Rusty Nails, which begins with me asking him about civic pride. Yeah, it's a weird one because I've, I've kind of I'm from an Irish family, born and born and raised in Birmingham, but from an Irish background, Irish family. Um, so I've never kind of really identified with being British. I've never identified as being English, but I've very much identified as being a Brummie. Uh, so it's kind of yeah, it's it's a kind of it's a massive kind of a part i suppose of yeah of, of, of your identity and stuff like that so it's i think you, you'll see there's a there's a birmingham irish kind of diaspora uh, and a, the kind of very tight-knit sort of community and it's yeah it's not just about being irish it's about being birmingham irish you know and so yeah it's big big plays a big part to be fair um do you think like what aspect does birmingham's size come into that do you think because i think we are we hold on to our brumminess and our staunch well, I think many of us do, apart from the ones who bugger off to London. <laughs> it feels like the ones who stay, uh, and even some of my friends who have left, like they, the, but being being brummy is like an important thing. Do you think it's because we are that sort of we've got a bit of small man syndrome as a city, maybe? Uh, I don't know, and no, I don't, I don't think it's like small man syndrome or brummies. I, I think, do you know, I think it's more like middle child syndrome. It's like in the literally in the middle of the of the city, isn't it? Of the country, should I say? You got London down south, and you got you know Manchester, a bit like the kind of younger brother or the no, older brother, probably you know, a bit of a bit of a loud mouth. <laughs> you know, and, uh, apologies to all the Manx there. Now I'm going to get hate mail from hate, hate tweets from the Manx, but uh, yeah, so but yeah, probably probably more. Yeah, not middle child. Sort of. So, what defines a Brummie? Um, is it being born here? Because I wasn't born here. Um, my dad's a Brummie. My mum emigrated from Ireland as well, uh, from from the North Island. Mm. Um, that's called Northern Ireland. It has a name. Um, yeah, <laughs> um, it does. When you're defining work is done here, like what to you? Um, it, it, you know what defines a Brummie? So I, don't, I mean, it's definitely not being born here. Like strictly having to be born in Birmingham, so I don't, I don't think that is because I think people. I mean, one of the people that I would be looking to put in the list wasn't born in Birmingham, but it's definitely, but you know, it's an adopted home sort of thing. I think is is saying, but I don't, I don't know what makes a brum. It's um, I think there's a kind of a you know, from my own personal experience, I think there's a degree of kind of tolerance about Birmingham that I don't don't I don't know that you necessarily see. I think you know, multiculturalism, for much as some people will see it as a very bad word, is is something that I think. Brummie should be really proud of. There's like, there's, you know, there's so many different kind of uh, creeds and cultures knocking around the city. And like, you know, 
that from an Irish perspective, we kind of, you know, all congregate around Spark Hill. Uh, you know, when we all moved over in the sort of late 70s, early 80s, Spark Hill was kind of the area all the Irish were in. And then all the Irish moved out together and the Indians and Pakistanis started moving in and then they started moving out and you know, Bangladesh. You know, the area kind of moves, with, but the cultures kind of keep coming in. And, you know, it's, um, yeah, I, th- I think, you know, you walk around Birmingham City Centre and there's, a, you know, there's whole hosts of people. And, yeah, I, th- I think that's one of the, one of the things for me, you know, Obviously, you'll get some people that aren't tolerant of it, but I think by and large, that tolerance and acceptance and kind of welcoming nature of the cities is a big part of it for me. So, with that in mind, um, who absolutely has to make the list? Who is number one for you? So, number one for me, I'll put in was uh, Benjamin Zephaniah. Oh, lovely. Yeah, so I think, you know, he kind of, yeah, he just, just has to be in the list, and but he has to be number one, I think, as well. Just uh, Was he on your list oh, out of interest? Uh, uh, there's there's a certain weight to my list, um, a, a, a certain bias, which we'll, we'll come to. <laughs> but yes, he, he's absolutely within my top five. So I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased about that. No, I mean, it's just, you know, um, I've, obviously everyone kind of knows him. Uh, well, everyone knows him around Birmingham. People outside Birmingham will know him for being the, the vicar or the reverend or whatever role he plays in Peaky Blinders. <laughs> I don't think he's the most uh, holy of, of holy men you'll ever see in his character. But, um, but yeah, you know, he's just a kind of – I read his autobiography uh, about a year ago. Um, was it a life of rhyme? And, and it's just a, just a fascinating story. Like he goes on – he goes through so many different things that he does, and you, he could go on probably four or five times longer than he does in that book. Like you know, he's got so many tales to tell, and it's just yeah, just just un- unbelievable, really. But uh, yeah, I also particularly like you know, there's my own personal bias. I kind of like the fact that he turned down an OBE as well. Like, he doesn't like that kind of concept of empire. That's you know, for me, something that I think is a uh, is quite noble. And uh, quite appealing, I think. Yes, cool. um, I did. I did a bit of digging around um, when I was putting my list together, and, and went to Doctor Internet um, and uh, <laughs> found some found some stuff. That, I mean, it, I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, apart from having seen him on TV and appreciated his work, I don't know. You know, didn't know tons about him, and and, um, and it was nice to go and do a bit more digging. And um, he's another person who's uh, another successful uh, writer and creative person who who was dyslexic. He left school um, mm-hmm. quite early. Um, he he did go off to seek to um, seek his fortune, but he, uh, in London. But he's he's always retained that um, that Birmingham twang, which is lovely. Yeah, that's it. And he's from where my aunt where my auntie lives, so that's nice. So where he was uh, born and raised um, in uh, in Handsworth. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, and and a nice a nice little thing. He is the first person to record with the Whalers since um, Bob Marley died. So it was interesting. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, see, as I say, he's, there's so many interesting things about him. You could go on all day. You could. Uh, he has written a book about it. <laughs> so, uh, top, top, top first uh, contender. Like, no, no, no argument from me. Um, all right. So, my number one. I'm. Hmm, I've I've been juggling with these two. They've both got the same job, um, but I've been. I'll just go with who I've got for number one anyway, um, which is Stuart Lee. Okay, yeah, yeah. So he's. Um... I mean, it's Solihull. So whether that whether that dings us, I don't think it matters because especially Birmingham. Sorry, sorry, Solihullians. Um, yeah. Birmingham. <laughs> um, he, yeah, and he is someone who I 
I grew to appreciate it. Like, I, I, I've always known he's always been in my orbit. Like, as a kid watching uh, Lee and Herring, um, and he's he's someone I've always known existed. But I think I, I sort of, I don't know, after a while I was like, yeah, I get it. He repeats himself a lot, and he's sort of sardonic and um, this, that, and the other. But, like, I... I I went to, um, I was invited to go and see him uh, this year, literally like the last thing I went to do before everything shut um, in March. And it was, I, I, I was aching laughing. Like I was in pain laughing at a couple of the bits um, because that repetition thing turns out it works. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, yeah, he's, he's got the skills. He's uh, a phenomenally talented um, comedian. He's had, uh, already a you know fantastic career. He was there at the birth of uh, on the hour and and um, which then became the day to day and Alan Partridge and all that kind of stuff. Um, comedy vehicle, you know, super successful. He he wrote co wrote an opera, um, and yeah, um, I, I think he he might not be my favourite comedian, and he's not even my favourite comedian on this list. But I think <laughs> his impact on comedy. Um, he he deserves the mention. So there you go, Stuart Lee. Yeah, I think this, I don't know if this is true or not. Now I'm, I'm doubting myself. But I don't, did you ever see Time Trumpet? Oh yeah. Uh, so I think he had a he had a shaved head by the end of it, and uh, apparently I, I think it was actually written into his contract that he had to shave it or something. But I don't know. I don't know how true that is. Um, but he didn't read the contract or something like that. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sure I remember him being. In, and, and so whether he was two different people or whether his character devolved over time, I'm not sure. But I definitely <laughs> being in a Stuart Lee and then Stew Lee with a with with a shaved shaved head. Um, yeah, that was that was a bold show. <laughs> yeah, I, I loved that. To be fair, uh, I had it on DVD kicking around somewhere, but I don't know where it is anymore. But uh, yeah, I, I really liked it, particularly like Tesco invading uh, Denmark or Norway. I can't remember. But yeah. <laughs> um, very nice. Okay. I feel like a forebear to um, something like uh, Screen Wipe in a way. Like it, it had that Charlie Brooker kind of thing. Anyway, we're not here to talk about Time Trumpet. Um, who's your number two? So for number two, I, I put down, and I, I don't know whether you could, I, I, I put down Black Sabbath, but then I thought if we have to go for one person, then I then I plumped for Tony Iommi. Okay, yeah. If we have to go for the one, so it depends on what the rules are, how strictly we stick to the rules here. Yeah, I think we've um, got to pick individual people, otherwise it's like all the members of Black Sabbath. <laughs> yeah, so in that case, it'd be Tony Iommi then uh, that for me, um, which I think I think most people would naturally think Ozzy, but... Uh, I actually, I think Tony, uh, for me in particular, the, the big thing with him, obviously, is like he lost his fingers in an accident when he was 17 at a factory and he kind of built these little, you know, um, plastic sort of thimbles to put on the end of his hand. He was inspired by Django Reinhardt, who'd lost a few fingers uh, as well. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, Tony, obviously... That's one of the things about being a Brummie as well that I'm incredibly proud of. Like home of heavy metal is, you know, is a, is an accolade that uh, that I think I think Birmingham should do a little bit more about it. Really, yeah. you know, we had that home of heavy metal uh, uh, exhibition at the Birmingham Museum and Art Gallery last year, which was great. 
was it last year? Lose all track of time. Yeah, no. Well, the, well, the, yeah, maybe two years ago. <laughs> it might have been, yeah. But you know, I mean, that was that was great. And you know, you see cities like Liverpool that spend a load of time sort of bringing tourists in based on the Beatles and stuff. And, and I think Birmingham should do the same thing for for metal. And you know, and, and obviously Sabbath aren't the only the only people. Like you've got Judas Priest and a whole host of it. And then you've got some really you know, like Napalm Death and stuff like that. Carcass, you know. Um, so yeah, yeah. But, uh, oh, weird fact is that Stuart Lee used to go um, rambling uh, as a kid with one of the uh, with some of the founder members of Napalm Death. <laughs> <laughs> I found that out in my uh, in my research. <laughs> rambling, that's the, the the truest of heavy metal uh, outdoor <laughs> pursuits. Really? Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd say a lot. Just you know. To being pioneers in the music at that time and then the the stuff they did, I think you know that's that's why I think for me, yeah, Sabbath Iomi in particular, yeah, love it. Uh, well, we're rattling through these. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with uh, John Cadbury. Okay, as my number two, yeah. big old Quaker. Uh, I mean, we know we did. <laughs> he, he he basically invented chocolate and uh, and also his sons invented Bourneville. <laughs> Um, so they, they set up the, the chocolate factory uh, in uh, eighteen something, and uh, they set it up in in Bornbrook Hall. Um, I think they, they sort of took over that that area and then founded this garden village, um, and that's where we because they were Quakers or Quakers rather. That's now where we get the the fact that uh, any land that is owned. Uh, is near Bourneville or is owned by the Bourneville Village Trust is dry. Uh, there is no alcohol there. So Tesco were taken to court in 2007 because they wanted to sell booze there. Um, mm-hmm. Hence the invading of, of Denmark or whatever it was. Uh, <laughs> um, and, uh, and yeah, the, the residents were like, no, we, we, won't, we won't stand for this and, uh, and won the court case. Um, and as someone who, I never lived in Bourneville, but I lived on land that was owned by Bourneville. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a real thing. You, you, you know, you, you, mm. you can't, you, there's no off license. Um, but yeah, the, the man had, the man had seven kids, two wives, um, passed on the business to, uh, two of his sons who then went on to basically, I think, kind of build the, build the, the Cabris that we know. Um, my youth, uh, youth club that I used to go to was run out of a Methodist church and um, I think it was um, run by two guys who worked at Cadbury's and so they just got access to loads of chocolate uh, and so we just had this fantastic tuck, bar, tuck shop thing and <laughs> one of the guys worked in marketing and would come with, we were such nerds, he would come with a laptop loaded with the, do you remember when Cadbury's used to sponsor um, Coronation Street? Right, okay, yeah, I don't particularly but yeah. Um, um, well, he, <laughs> it was, it was a thing, I promise. Um, and they used to have their, um, <laughs> their little, uh, ident, their little sort of animation thing, um, uh, after each bit of Coronation Street. And because he worked in marketing, he would have all the new ones before they came out in telly. So we would sit and watch, uh, watch those, um, like I said, nerds, but yes, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's basically when you think, Cadbury, you think chocolate, you think Cadbury's, it's, uh, yes, it's now owned by people who make cheese, um, but it's fine, like, it's Cadbury's, you know, it's John Cadbury. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say, like, Cadbury's is kind of another another one of those, isn't it, like, kind of uh, archetypal, is that the right word, archetypal sort of brummy thing, you know, that, that you associate with Birmingham, isn't it, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, 
It's all, yeah, that's it. School children all across the city brought there annually. Yeah. No, I've never <laughs> been to Cadbury World. I've been, to be honest, I went recently with the kids and oh, it wasn't great. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure if I did go, it would be underwhelming. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was never something, uh, never something I did. Uh, all right, who's number three for you? So number three for me, I put uh, Mike Skinner of the streets. Yeah, so um, again, Mike Skinner wasn't born in Birmingham. I think doing a little bit of research, I said I found he was born in. Um, Barnet, I think it was Barnet. Um, but he lived in a place called West Heath, which was sort of on the south, south side of the city, sort of bordering on Worcester down, down the kind of bottom end of the city. And, uh, he went to, I think he went to Bourneville School, actually. Um, from, uh, from, from what I was looking at. So, yeah, I mean, he, um, you know, that was one of those when, when like the streets album come out and stuff, and when he kind of references things like the ball ring in the, the first track, you know, kind of, it's like that thing, like comedians always say, don't they? You know, when they're playing somewhere and they shout the name of a city, there's just this like massive pride that comes out from everyone. Yeah, and it like doesn't care if you hate the place, you're still just going, oh, "I'm from there." And it was a bit like that with the uh, with the streets, and you know, um, that that kind of brummy connection was obviously uh, appealing. But yeah, I just I just think um, from a, a musical perspective, he kind of did did some different stuff, kind of pushed boundaries, I think, a little bit. Um, some people would argue that he basically just wrote Park Life to Garage. Uh, <laughs> I think it would be a little bit harsh. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I think he was uh, – I think it was a little bit of its time. Like, do you know what I mean? I don't know if it, if it would fly so much anymore, but I think it was really good. It was something different. It was cool. And I'd say he was uh, someone that you kind of – you sort of proudly go, you know, he's a, he's a Brummie. I think he's a – you know, I think he he sees himself as a Brummie as well. Although he kind of moved down to London to you know to, to pursue his music career and stuff, I think I'd say he sees himself as a as a Brummie by and large. And and uh, I think that's another another trait, isn't it? You know, even when you do kind of move and come back or whatever, you, you're always always a Brummie sort of thing. So, are you, are you from Birmingham or are you of Birmingham? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I so I so. Back in um, the the earlier episodes, uh, my friend Tom and I did top five Birmingham bands, and um, I, I I so there is a, there is a rule that has I don't think it's it's had to be used yet on List Envy history in that each of us has the power to veto another person's suggestion. Right, and the the only time I've threatened a veto, I've had one threatened on me. Um, <laughs> the only time I've threatened a veto is when it's related to the streets because I and I will be the most charitable I can be in 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 saying I don't get it. I don't get the streets. I don't get Mike Skinner. Uh, I don't get the appeal. And I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all subjective, isn't it? At the end it, of the day, it is. Uh, see, I mean, I think that his the second album that they did, uh, they did, he did. Um, was a, it was a bit of a masterpiece in storytelling to be fair it kind of i don't know if you've ever listened to it from start to finish one that's the sort of concept album yeah that's it a grand don't come for free yeah yeah so he kind of um you know it's it's, it's literally a story the whole way through like he, yeah and each song kind of links in and it's just i, I just think yeah it was a, it's still something i'll go back and listen to every now and then and um you know tracks like why is it fit but you know it 
was rubbish to be fair but it fitted in with the rest of the <laughs> with the rest of the album yeah um i i i i'm not willing enough to be proven <laughs> like with, with so many things i'm like all right you know what i'm willing to be proven wrong i will go and listen and, and like i will get i will get myself educated um but you know i was there i was there when the streets happened and i didn't like it then and i was like, you know um <laughs> You're not going to go back and lock it now. No, that's fair enough. I think so. Maybe I will. Maybe I've grown. Maybe I've grown. Maybe maybe I should revisit them. Uh, uh, as, as I say, I reckon it was kind of of its time. I think if you didn't lock it at the time, you're not going to lock it now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, like, it, that's a, a solid and, and very sensible pick. It's it's not one where, where like vast swathes of people are going to go, what? Like, it makes a lot of sense. He's celebrated man. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go John Oliver. This is where we start to see where where my influences uh, come in yeah. here. Um, but yes, I'm going with um, with with the uh, what is now one of the most successful Brits working in America um, is is the uh, comedian and host of uh, now uh, last week tonight is uh, he was born in Erdington. Um, I mean, he's not his Brummy connections don't sort of run super deep. He was he was born here and. Um, but his his parents were Liverpudlian, and he's he comes from a weird stock. Like Doctor Internet uh, was telling me, he's got um his uh, one of his uncles is a is an opera composer, and then his great great grandfather was William Boyd Carpenter, the Bishop of Ripon, and court champion to Queen Victoria, or chaplain rather to Queen Victoria. That is some interesting stuff. But I think for. I, I want to claim him as as a Brummie, and I, I don't think it's uh, considering he was he was born here um, and, and I think raised here. I don't think it's you know uh, um, too problematic to to you know claim him as a, as a Brummie. What do, what do you reckon? Yeah, so I didn't. I had no clue he was a Brummie. So obviously, um, I was having a little sort of poke around as well, like doing a little bit of research for the show, and I, I saw that he was on there, and yeah, so I, I, I didn't. I didn't know there were a few that took me by surprise, and he was one of them. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think, uh, it, like you say, he's kind of fairly recognisable, isn't he? I mean, I, I don't actually watch it. Was it? Was it? No, it's not the Today Show. What was it called again? Did you say the Daily Show? The Daily Show. That's it. Yeah, with them. Um, was it John Stewart was on it originally, or something? That one. Yeah. So it's not something I've kind of always watched or anything, but I still recognised him, and I think that's like you say, it's testament to kind of how sort of famous he is really that you kind of you, you know him just to see him even if you don't watch him sort of thing but uh yeah no i think if you if he's born here and uh yeah i think it's uh it's a show isn't it i so. think he he came into he sort of grew into his personality because i think when he was younger he was i found him a little bit smug and self-satisfied and that was kind of part of his character. um <laughs> but he's sort of in the way that steve coogan grew into alan partridge he sort of grew into that into that skin and i think it fits him a lot better now um and he can he can sort of really mock himself and and stuff and I, i've i've come to uh i've come to like the lad so yeah. <laughs> number three um right then who is your number four so i've gone for a real curveball for my number four um so it'll be someone that that most people probably will never have heard of uh, unless you're from the irish community in birmingham so there's there's a fella called pat malloy and and pat malloy was he was originally from galway in, in ireland um moved to birmingham lived in spark hill uh for the whole time he was in birmingham and he was kind of 
the Pied Piper of kind of Irish traditional music, if you like. You know, he was kind of the linchpin of what was a kind of a, a very big sort of trad music scene around Birmingham, sort of particularly towards the kind of late 80s, early 90s. Um, and like, uh, he, any, any trad musician that is from Birmingham will almost certainly have uh, been taught by Pat. And, uh, you know, I kind of, uh, when I was a kid, I, I used to, um, I learned to play the tin whistle and the fiddle, um, round at, round at Patsy. Like, he lived in this, like, two up, two down in Spark Hill. And you'd be dropped around, like, you know, by your mum and dad or whatever, uh, to, to go in and, and you'd learn to, you know, do your instruments and play your instruments and whatnot. But there'd be maybe six or eight of you in the house at a time and he'd be kind of just coming around you all trying to, trying to teach you. And it was blind as a bat and he had this like massive kind of magnifying glass on his on his uh on his glasses that he'd be right down at the paper when he was trying to write out the notes for you and stuff um and then his wife would come in with like squash and cakes and biscuits and all this and it was just like you know it was it was kids in and out of that house all the time kind of learning to play instruments and then as you got to a certain age you would be allowed to sort of take part in the sessions so these would be like places like the spotted oh, dog in wow. Dubuth and and so people would literally just turn up and if, you know, 10 people turned up or a hundred people turned up, Pat would kind of sit in the corner a bit like, a bit like a done, you know, <laughs> so everyone's focused on him, whatever he says goes. And and he would kind of shout up the tune to play and everyone would just break into song lock, you know, and, uh, and, uh, yeah, it was just, you know, as, as the Irish would say, it was, it was good crack. You know, you'd just be sat there and there'd be plenty of drinking. You'd have like, you know, you'd be like sort of 15, 16 in the spotted dog, sort of getting an education in, in how pubs operate. You know, <laughs> you'd start learning who, who, who to stay away from, who to, <laughs> all that sort of stuff. But, um, but yeah, say so like, you know, uh, anyone that kind of touched a fiddle or an accordion or anything like that in, in, in and around Birmingham was likely, uh, taught by Pat and, you know, he died in 2010. Uh, and since then, I, I don't know, you may have heard of the Tradfest that they have in the Irish Tradfest in Digbeth. It obviously hasn't happened this year, but, um, you know, it's kind of, uh, yeah, festival of traditional music and, and there's all sorts of venues around Digbeth now that, that the trad music will be played in. Um, and there's a particular kind of award, uh, for, you know, for young, traditional musicians and it's the you know pat malloy or the pat and ann uh and being his wife pat and ann malloy award and it's kind of you know testament to the fact that you know he's such a big part of uh of birmingham sort of trad music uh history if you like and um yeah it's a bit of a it's a bit of a personal choice as well because as i say i kind of you know used to go around and be taught by him as a kid and and uh yeah, it was, you know, he'd start you off on like real basic stuff, like learning to play Twinkle Twinkle on the fiddle, like really badly squeaking oh, yeah. away. But he'd, he'd kind of gear you up to playing, you know, uh, sort of faster stuff, like that proper traditional kind of, you know, Irish diddly diddly sort of stuff. You know, that was that was where he got you to sort of thing. And yeah, it was great. It was, it's a real regret that I never kind of kept it up, to be fair. I've still got a fiddle, um, but uh, I'm not very good anymore. It, it needs constant, um, constant practice. It does. That I, I absolutely love, uh, and as someone who um, I, I have, I think my version of, of someone like that who who didn't who wasn't in in the same way a Pied Piper, but someone that I uh, had that kind of pull. Uh, if you were into music, and him and his wife um, 
have have amassed this um group of of kids over the years that went with them into youth theater and 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 did you know all sorts of stuff and went to wales and performed there and uh performed um in schools and things and both him and his his wife have, have written songs and plays and and kids have been performing them for you know I mean, just, just their stuff for 20 years. And then, um, it's part of a, of a generations old, uh, organization that goes back to the, the sort of early, I think seventies, uh, if not older. And so I, I absolutely get that. And I, I want to, um, I want to call it early and say like, he, he's, he's got to make the list because for no other reason than we need to make sure that people like him are, um, there is a place for them on the internet and so that they don't, uh, recede in. Yeah, you know, and, and being forgotten. That's it. And to be fair, when I was doing a little bit of research, because I, I was kind of just drawing on personal experience when I was thinking about him, and I kind of I did a little bit of research and you know searching on Google and putting his name in in speech marks and stuff to try and really make sure you narrow it down. And there's not really not a lot about him. There's there's the bit about the um you know the award at Tradfest and stuff, but about him personally, there's there's really not a great deal there. And I think it's uh you know I think um <laughs> yeah I, I, yeah I agree with you. I think it's, it'd be nice to to um. To, yeah, to, to keep his name sort of moving on sort of thing in whatever way you can. It's Absolutely. All we have the opportunity now that um, someone types his name in uh, and gets it gets it spelt right uh, in the internet, then we'll <laughs> yeah. uh, celebrate him a bit. Um, so for my... Cause, so Benjamin's FNI was my number four, so my number five, I'm going to go... I've gone comedic again, but I what can I say? That's That's, that's where... That's, that's the list I built. Um, but I'm going with Janice Connolly, who is also known as Barbara Nice. Okay, yeah. The, the, also known as the artist, uh, artistic director at the um, uh, Women in Theatre in, in Birmingham here. She's not a... Now, this is, this is a, a thing. She's not... Mm. She's not from Birmingham. She's not born in Birmingham. She's, uh, she's born in Manchester. But all of her work uh, is... Um, is very much done here now. Um, she's constantly working. She's on Brum Radio uh, a fair bit. Um, she mm. does a, a yearly show at the, the Midlands Arts Centre here, which, in fact, she just did it a couple of days ago, um, uh, sort of uh, trying to manage a, a ticketed event in the uh, in these COVID times. Um, but her Barbara Nice character is a Brummie, which is great. Um, she's a mother of six, from uh, mother of five from King's Heath. Um, and if... It's it's one of those where I think she deserves possibly a little bit more recognition. She did. Uh, she was on Britain's Got Talent in 2019 uh, and made it to live finals. She's been on TV a fair amount. She's been on Peter Kay stuff uh, as this is all. Uh, oh no, the, the, as, as her own characters, but she's um, she's also been Barbara Nice in radio shows and stuff. Um, but she she started her her, her Brummy career uh, at BCU, which is. Uh, my, my my university uh studying drama there so um yeah i think i think she absolutely counts cool yeah you, you know, I, I was just I'm, i had to google her because i don't I, I feel bad but like you know when, if someone's saying it's one of your sort of your, your favorite brummies and you're like i don't know who that is <laughs> like, I feel a bit bad, but i do recognize her now that you've uh now i've had a look but um no it's got i mean oh yeah i said Anything artistic and kind of a, yeah. a, a form of expression or whatever is, is good in my book. So yeah, I can understand why you picked to yeah, them. Definitely. I think there are, there are more well-known names I can I can go for, but there's there's something about hers that I, I just wanted to kind of bubble it up a little bit more. Really, um, who's who's number five for you then? 
So number five, I had a bit, I had to, I did have a bit of a struggle kind of uh, wrapping it up. To be fair, my missy was going to go mad at me that I didn't put Jamelia in because she, she loves Jamelia, but uh, she didn't. She didn't make my top five, unfortunately, Jamelia. Um, <laughs> but uh, now I went for I went for a comedian as well, um, but I went for Joe Lysit. Oh, lovely! Yeah, so. Um, Joe Lycett, you know, well, I think most most people know Joe Lycett. He's pretty, he's, he's done pretty well now, hasn't he, in, in recent years. But um, he's from Hall Green originally, uh, and that was kind of the area that I moved out to. Once once our family left Spark Hill, we moved into Hall Green, which, as I said earlier, the kind of the Irish just kind of moved up the Stratford Road, you know, from, Str- from Spark Hill into Hall Green. That was, we all did it en masse together. Um, so that was this, you know, so I have an, a, an affiliation for Hall Green. Um, and yeah, I suppose for, for part of the reason is it's just very, very funny, you know, <laughs> so that's part of the reason he's in there. Um, but, uh, you know, I think uh, he's done. He, I, 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 first of all, I admire the fact he had his kitchen opened by the by the mayor. I think that's um, that's you know that's not to be knocked at all. I like the ingenuity of it. Uh, of, you know, he couldn't was it? He couldn't. They wouldn't attend unless it was a, a public event. So he raffled tickets and made it a public event, and then they came. It was like he was just that you know determined to kind of get round it and make sure it happened because he just wanted to be a bit silly. Uh, which I commend completely. <laughs> I yeah, I enjoy his um his his work uh, against uh, spammers and um yeah sort of scam type people. Um, his email writing game is spot on. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, and I think it's his commitment to it as well, isn't it? You know, like he's not willing to let it drop. I think if he's got, I quite like this kind of. You know, the attitude of if you've got an idea, no matter how kind of silly it might be, if you want to do it and you're just kind of determined to do it, and I think he's definitely got that about him. I don't know if it's, is that a Brummy trait in itself? I'm not sure. There's, there's maybe a determinism. There's maybe a sort of, a, a, yeah, a grinning and just like getting on with it. That, that may- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, I, I, yeah, I just I just think, yeah, he's really funny. I've only ever seen him live once. I went to see him in uh, Dudley Town Hall a couple of years back, which was a great venue for it, to be fair. And he was, he was kind of as close to home as we could get because we just couldn't get a ticket for him at the, the Rep or the Hippodrome, wherever he was doing it. I can't remember where he was. Uh, but, yeah, he was funny in, in Dudley because uh, obviously he was kind of just taking the mick a bit out of people from Dudley, suggesting that he was posh from Birmingham. And, you know, it's just, it's just, it was, yeah, it was really good. Um, but yeah, I think also I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I like, I think like you said, the, the scammer type stuff, but then also the kind of looking out for the little man sort of thing. I know that Hugo Boston he did was a little bit, it was potentially a bit of a, maybe not completely altruistic, but then again, what, what is, um, but, you know, I think he raised the point about like, was it, I think it was a beer, beer company in Wales, wasn't it, that was called Bus and they were going to be sued by Hugo Bus. And it's completely disproportionate, isn't it, that that kind of um, response to a, you know, a sort of a small enterprise that's trying to get themselves going. So I think Joe Lysett kind of exposed it. And basically, again, just making them look silly, you know, it just made them look silly. And and that's, <laughs> that probably did as much good as anything else. So, yeah, uh, I think so, Joe Lysett, yeah. 
So this is Kevin Kerr, a.k.a. Rusty Nails. Who knew comedians would feature so far on um, on my list, hey? Um, but I think we're, uh, we're, we're building towards uh, quite a nice little combined list. Um, so uh, my, my very great thanks to uh, Kevin for uh, appearing on the show. And also my thanks to Stuart Parker for his masterful pre-production help uh, in this episode. Um, links to said episode can be found at listenvypod.com. Um, I say links not to the episode, but for the episode, about the episode, about the people uh, that we talked about. Um, If you don't want to look at your phone right now, um, you can go to listenvpod.com and you can find them there as well. Um, So I'd love to get your your thoughts and feedback. uh, If you've got uh, any ideas about what, um, about who I, uh, who I've picked or who Kev's picked, then, um, you, uh, if you don't know where to send them, I'm about to tell you. So just you just strap in. It's all right. Um, List Envy Pod on Twitter uh, and Facebook is the place. Uh, also, List Envy on Instagram and List Envy at gmail.com. Uh, if you have thoughts that um, take more than 280 characters to convey. Uh, so next week, we are doing top five time travel romance films with Carl Hodge as a butte. Um, and uh, some some appointment watching uh, to come, I think. But for now, let us crack back on with Kevin and our top five, our combined top five list of Brummies. I, I think we've got we've got some we've got some good names here. So you've got uh, Benjamin Zephaniah, Tony Iommi, Mike Skinner, Pat Malloy, and Joe Lysett. And yeah, he was sort of he was my number six, and it was a toss up between her and uh, him and Janice Connolly. So I've gone uh, Janice. Uh, I had uh, Zephaniah, but also John Oliver, John Cadbury, and Stuart Lee. So now becomes the begins the tricky task of seeing if. Uh, it, it, how how our lists might dovetail. Um, I've got a potential order for you, um, a, a potential top five, and I'd like to see how this how this smacks you and see uh, what potential changes you want to make. Okay. Uh, so from five to one, I've gone with Pat Malloy, um, Joe Lysett, John Cadbury, and I want to put Stuart Lee in there. And then number one is uh, is Benjamin Zephaniah. Do you know what my first thought is? I just love how there's absolutely no chat at all of uh, Mark Skinner getting near it. <laughs> um, no, I'm really, I'm not, I'm not, too, I'm not too passionate about getting him in there. I don't worry. <laughs> you, you weren't like, you, yeah, you weren't super going to bat for him. So no, I'm not, I'm not dying on the hill for uh, Mark Skinner. No. I, th- I think. I'm kind of okay with it all in all, but I think, yeah, for me, Tony Iommi has to has to go in now. I think just that heavy metal is, you know, it's one of the. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. So, um, but who 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 he replaces is? Uh, I don't know. See, Stuart Lee didn't make it into my list, although I am a big fan. I do like him very much. Um, he didn't get into mine, but then again, neither did John Cadbury, and I thought Cadbury's would be one. I think most people associate with Roman. I still didn't put him in the list either. But you know what? I, and and this might be this might be um, splitting hairs. Um, I think Cadbury's is more of a thing than John Cadbury, the the person. Yeah. And I think with all of the others, it's it would be it's a little bit like me saying um, Cadbury is. Um, Judas Priest or uh, or, or um, I forgot the band you said Black Sabbath Black Sabbath yes 
Um, so I, I'm I'm quite happy for us to lose John Cadbury and put Iomi in there. Yes, yeah, so I'd be, I'd be, I'd be, yeah, I'd be happy enough with that to be honest with you because it's uh, it, it's sort of it's not far off what I had. Stuart Lee was kind of definitely in my um, in my sort of honourable mentions. I had a few people that uh, I kind of liked but didn't didn't make it into the into the top five, and Stuart Lee was in there. So I'm, I'm happy enough that he would uh, he would jump in. So. From five to one, then here we go: Pat Malloy, Joe Lysett, Tony Iommi, Stuart Lee, Benjamin Zephaniah, Kevin Kerr. Do you consent to this list? Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, so you mentioned honourables. Um, who else didn't quite make the cut? So, so, uh, so there was a couple that I just I didn't know were Brummies at all. Uh, so they're just getting mentioned just purely for being Brummies. Um, so. Alan Napier was one whose name I wouldn't have known, but I did recognise his picture. So he was Alfred in the original Batman series from the 1960s. Oh, wow. So he was born in Kings Norton. So there you go. I didn't know that. Uh, so that was quite a good one. Um, yeah, so I mean, I used to love the that old 1960s film, uh, Batman film, mm-hmm. with the shark repellent spray. And stuff like it was just completely <laughs> ludicrous and running around with a bum and not throwing it on the, the ducks in the water and stuff. You know, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, I used to love that as a kid. I, got, I tried to get my kids to watch it, but they just kind of looked at it in the way that I think I probably looked at old black and white films. You know, it just doesn't, yeah. Yeah, it didn't, didn't translate. Uh, <laughs> so, um, Julie Walters was another. Oh, yeah. I didn't know I mean, she was a woman. Now, I knew she was, but. When I was looking, I couldn't find her, and I'm really confused as to why that was. Um, because yeah, I was pretty sure she was. Uh, she was. Yes, yeah, so according to the stuff, the research I was doing, having a little look around, she was born in Edgbaston, by all accounts. So I think, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, Julie Watt was obviously, you know, fantastic yeah. actress, and yeah, done some done some you know amazing stuff on stage and stage and screen. Um, yeah. To be honest, um, I, I think she, because as much as she does the sort of Harry Potter and this, that, and the other, uh, she's also done some some dramatic stuff that I think she's um, she's very good at and, and doesn't necessarily always get the always get the credit. So yeah, uh, that's, that's great. Yeah. Um, who else I put? I put Rob Halford as well. Um, so leading a Judas Priest. Oh, yeah. So to be yeah. fair, I'm not a massive priest fan, but again, just because he's a brummy, like I kind of, you know, like them a bit. Do you know, it's <laughs> one of them. Yeah. So what you do? Um, as I say, Jamelia was one of those. So mm-hmm. like, it was so my miss, my missus quite likes Jamelia, and it was a bit weird. The the one time there was a, I think a couple of years ago, we were in M and S down in Longbridge, uh, and we met Jamelia in there. And my my miss was, <laughs> missus was a bit starstruck and she kind of saw Jamelia and asked for a yeah. photo and all this sort of stuff, as you do. Uh, so that was all fairly normal. And then the next day, my missus went to the ball ring, um, uh, just like into the car park in the ball ring and whatnot. And she pulled up in the space next to Jamelia uh, and Jamelia and her guy in the car at the same time. And Jamelia kind of looked at her as if to go, like, are you stalking me? <laughs> and she wasn't. Like, do you know what I mean? It was just, um, yeah, it was yeah. just a bit odd. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> That was quite a funny one. So, yeah, I think this has got a restraining order on her from Jamelia. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. I'm just looking at the others. Yeah, the only other person I put as, a, as an honourable mention was uh, Moeen Ali. Uh, and I put him purely for I don't like cricket at all. 
Uh, in fact, I think it's a really poor way to spend a day. Apologies if you're a cricket fan. I just, I just don't get it. A bit like you with the streets. Don't get cricket. Not, not for me at all. Can't understand it. Everyone goes, sure. you know, you just take, sure. take a drink. You can get drunk all day. Yeah. Not, I can literally do that anywhere I want. I don't need to be in Edgebaston to do that. Thanks very much. Um, but yep. I've put him down because obviously he's a Brummie. He's a British Pakistani. He uh, very sort of passionately identifies as being uh, British and from his Pakistani roots. He plays for the England team. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's, I think I think one of the kind of one of the saddest things that we've seen in recent decades, and it's something that Benjamin Zafanara referred to in his book as well, is that we've kind of seen this resurgence of like, organisations like the National Front and stuff were kind of beaten back in the 70s, 80s. And then, you know, they're, re- they're not resurging again in, in, in the same guise, but the same sort of stuff is coming up again. And, and you know, at the same time, these people will espouse this kind of nonsense about, you know, foreigners and all this sort of stuff. But then they'll kind of, they'll cheer Moeen Ali when he, you know, does he does he take a wicket? I can't remember the terminology. Um, you know, when he's wearing an England <laughs> shirt, you know, they'll cheer him on and stuff, and it's that kind of pure hypocrisy. But from from his perspective, you know, he's uh, he's just doing what he loves, and he's doing it representing sort of both sides of his culture. And again, I think from a personal perspective, I recognise that as I said, Birmingham's so multicultural. It's very possible to have two two identities almost, um, and 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 he kind of is very proud of both and I think that's that's something from a from a Brummie perspective is you know is it's kind of it's a big part of being a Brummie in my opinion so he he gets a mention for that as well I've got a few and and a few of these were sort of oh it turns out they're Brummie <laughs> uh, um I mean I, I have no love for Barbara Cartland but I thought that was fun <laughs> that she's a Brummie I do like uh as uh, I also quite like um Arthur Darville being a, a uh, uh, someone who enjoys a bit of Doctor Who. Um, and a, a nice little connection with Arthur Darville is that he went, I believe, to the same drama group that I was talking about, um, that I was in as a youth. Um, so yes, which is, which is quite nice. And, and the uh, band that I fell in with and, uh, and, and Count as one of my favourite bands, it's just a coincidence that, <laughs> that they're really good, um, called Misty's Big Adventure. Um, they, I think they played a doctor who rap party because of the fact that arthur darvel knew of them and liked them uh so they went and did a, a doctor who season or a series rap party which is quite nice um and then um i don't know if you remember uh a guy called fred dinage a show called how to yeah I do yeah yeah so i remembered yeah. it well i remember he, he sprung back into my memory when i was researching yesterday yeah so yeah, uh, yeah. yeah there you go like I always, I always liked that show, and he was, he was always this sort of the older guy on the, the sort of elder statesman on the show because I think he might have done the original How series before it became How Two, um, and uh, yeah, and they're bringing that back now. Uh, weirdly enough, uh, I, I, uh, I saw a trailer for it that uh, apparently ITV are coming back with another How show. But, but yes, I think, I think we've got, we've got a, a fine list here, and uh, and some to be, some to be very proud of. Indeed, um, I think we've, we've, we've done very well. So. Um, where can the listener now that they they now that you've proven your Birmingham <laughs> credentials and mistaken the ground as to your music tastes, um, how should our listener uh, connect with you and find out about uh, what you, what you're doing and what you're making? Yeah, cool. So, um, I mean, Twitter is normally the best place to to get hold of myself. So, um, I kind of 
have sort of uh, I, I, I produce music under the the guise of Rusty Nails. So the the tags like at Rusty Nails Beats. Um, the the name comes from a pub over in Ireland as it goes the Rusty Nail. That's where the that's where the name derives from. Spent many a many a misspent day in that pub over in Ireland, and then that's uh, yeah. So say that's, uh, that's where the name comes from. So yeah, so I will produce music as Rusty Nails Beats, and then um, the producer then also for for the band Titans of Doom. Um, so at Titans of Doom, uh, and incidentally, we've, we've kind of just released a single a couple. Well, it's a couple of weeks ago now. Um, uh, called Rise Up, and, and all the all the proceeds of that single are going to um, Northfield Partnership Food Bank. So that's the that's the food bank in in, in the area of Birmingham. I don't know um, how well you know, but uh, it's uh, yeah Northfield again towards the south. Grew up there, <laughs> uh, did you? you grew up there. Yeah, so so it's, that's the that's that's kind of a that's where that's the constituency within which i live and you know we've been kind of shamefully let down by our by our new mp um so he'll respond to you on twitter if he's got a, a point to prove or he thinks he's got a, oh, yeah. <laughs> but otherwise <laughs> so i mean the big dinners thing just backfired on him spectacularly which was, which was beautiful <laughs> in pure Twitter sort of way. I mean, the thing is to be fair, if you go on Twitter sort of seeking sympathy or empathy, you're in the wrong place. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, so, so look, yeah, so we, we released this thing. Look, we're not, I mentioned earlier, is there such a thing as an altruistic uh, act? You know, it's arguably, it's not for us from our perspective either, but uh, sort of, the song we're sending it on Bandcamp, and so sort of every single penny of it that 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 comes to us will go straight to to Northfield Partnership. We're not kind of keeping any of it. None of us make a a living from our music anyway. It's all you know. It's 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 a passion. So it's not like um, you know, we we kind of have to retain the money to 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 sustain ourselves, sort of thing. It's it you know, it's uh, it, and it's it's only a little thing, but. Yeah, if we can we can do that and kind of step in where big dinners lets people down, then yeah, that's, that's all good. So let's say um, yeah, Titans of Doom is the is the band. The really perky kind of you get a feeling from the name. Hope they kind of you know sort of uh, in, in, uh, sort of inspiring we are. <laughs> a better future, Titans of Doom. <laughs> a link is in the show notes, and and having having listened. To- yeah, to the track, it's uh, it's it's fantastic. Like it's it's a it's a it's a great. Um, I sound so old. I'm not. I can't. I can't describe music anymore. <laughs> I'm too old to do it. It's really good. Go and listen to it. Yeah, <laughs> and then and then buy it. It's, uh, um, it is my pleasure. Um, yeah, I'm never going to try and describe music. Again. <laughs> so I've just learned, learned that. I was going to say it's a, it's a real it's a real bop. The, it, it's it slaps. The, the, yeah, it slaps. That's it. That's that. I've, I've heard that one recently. Well, yeah, but I think the best way to describe us is if. The prodigy, Rage Against the Machine, and Sleaford Mods had a three-way. We would be the unholy kind of offspring. I think that's uh, that gives you a gives you a, a flavour for what we're doing. That definitely feels accurate. Yeah. <laughs> well, Rusty Nails, um, this is a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me on List Envy. No, pleasure is all mine. Thank you for having me. It's been a, it's been enjoyable. Thanks very much. Mm-hmm.